Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Pure Ludicrous Podcast. All topics, all ludicrous. Listen, guys, I know I've talked about it on all the platforms, but today we've got a super special episode for you on deck. We got Chandler Jacobs. We did a remote interview yesterday. It was awesome. It was great. You're not going to want to miss out on this. Make sure, if you're not already, to follow us on the Instagram, at pure underscore ludicrous, on the YouTube, on the Twitter, on the TikTok. We're on TikTok now. Guys, you're going to want to share this everywhere, okay? If you're on MySpace, for crying out loud, you do you. You know, that's that's all, that's all you. If you still want to do that, that's fine. Share it there. Make sure you show us some love. It's a great interview. I'm super stoked to give it to you guys. As always, we're represented and supported and sponsored by V8 Energy. V8 is the best drink with the best stuff in it, and it's the best for you. So now, without further ado, let's get into the episode. This is Mr. Chandler Jacobs. Yo, what is up you beautiful people, and welcome to Pure Ludicrous. Okay, we now welcome on a very special guest. This is an interview that we've been trying to put together for a while now, and I'm super stoked about it. It is Mr. Chandler Jacobs. Chandler, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. I appreciate you for having me on. Dude, I appreciate you coming on, man. This is dream come true, for real. Um, so obviously, you, you know, I'm going to talk about um, March Madness this year. We're going to talk yeah. about Colorado State. We're yeah. going to talk about how you were on a red eye. A week yes. ago, which yes. was, I'm sure, an interesting experience. And we're going to get to that. But <laughs> before we do, I'm going to give you a little bit of an icebreaker here. Okay? okay. So you're a man of taste. You wear it on yes. your sleeve, obviously. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's not hard to tell. Literally. Man of taste. Quite literally. <laughs> um, so I'm going to give you three songs. Okay? okay. I need you to rank them from best to worst as far as your opinion goes. Is that good? Okay. Yeah, it's perfect. Okay. So we have Mr. Brightside by The Killers. Okay. Always Be My Baby by Mariah Carey. Okay. And You Belong With Me by Taylor Swift. Okay. So all over the board there. Yeah, all Where, over the board. So, yeah, what are you, what are you thinking here? Um, I'm going to go, Mariah Carey is definitely number one for me. I absolutely love that song. I will sing that song. Well, I will sing my heart out to that song. Okay. Um, so that's number one for me off the rip. As soon as I heard that one, I didn't know what the two options were, but that one was it. Um, and then I think number two. I surprisingly like Taylor Swift. So I'm going to go with Taylor Swift number two. And Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. A Swifty. Interesting. Yeah. I like I like Taylor Swift a little bit. Okay. Okay. Honest. And then uh, Mr. Brightside number three. Okay. I like that. I, I was predicting Mariah first. And then Taylor and uh, Mr. Brightside, that's where I was kind of like, I wonder where yeah. we're going to go with that. So, okay. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Um, okay. So did you grow up listening to more early 2000s or late 90s? So my dad, this is a funny story. So when I was younger, um, I'm not sure if you know what LimeWire is, 
but LimeWire is just the software that people used to use to like burn CDs. Um, and my dad is a huge like musical guy. He loves music. He loves R and B. Um, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, you name it. He 2000s. You he he listens to it. Um, so growing up, uh, me and my dad. He would always play music in the in our apartment because he would burn CDs and make playlists for people. So on Saturdays we would he would like make like a bunch of burned CDs at the house. We would go to a car wash. He would play the playlist that he was selling that week, um, like out loud in his car all day, and just like try to get people to buy it. So that was kind of my my kind of like background with music. And my dad introduced me to pretty much everything that I listen to. Like my my musical taste comes strictly from my from my father. So I listen to. 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, rock, R&B, hip hop. I listen to everything, country, um, alternative music. I listen to literally anything you can think of. So, um, in any any decade, I'm just a big music guy. I have like three thirty five. Go my, ahead. My dad, my dad was the same exact way, dude. He had me listen yeah. to like New Edition, um, everything, all those guys. Yeah, yeah. all those guys. Yeah. Um, did you ever listen to uh, Kate Bush? Kate Bush. I did not, did not listen to that, that first one. Okay, so that's just the one that my dad had me listen to her once. And that's okay. the one that's that's kind of how I gauge people because no one knows who that is. Like, <laughs> I, like he showed me this and he was like, you better ask your friends if they know this. And it's like, I promise you they're not going to know this. So yeah, I, don't I know think that one's similar that. in that way. Yeah. That's really cool. Okay, so, so let's go back then. So you're 18 yeah. in Houston, Texas. You're listening yeah. to Mariah Carey and the War of Lines. Um, <laughs> you're putting up crazy stat lines, Chandler. You're playing yeah. all out. Uh, Houston yeah. ball is is no joke. We're going to get to that. Yeah. So you get a call from DBU, and they say, come mm-hmm. play for us. So what's going on in your mind at that point? So, um, you know, most like most like most kids that probably went to DBU for athletics, you didn't know who DBU was beforehand. Um, so they call me. I do a little research um, about them. I saw they had a good program, all that kind of stuff. Um and I think at the time, it was two schools that were, it was a bunch of schools kind of, or I want to say a bunch of few schools that were recruiting me at the time. And DBU was uh, was the only D2. And there was a couple of Division Ones. Um, and then kind of coming to like, my, before I made my decision, there was DBU and Cornell. They both came to my school, uh, Elkins High School in, in, in Houston. Okay. And they, they came on back-to-back days. So the day DBU came, or Cornell came first, they came and they were like, I practiced, I played terrible in practice. And they were like, uh, I was absolutely awful. And they were like, um, we like you, but we still have to convince a couple of the coaches that you're our guy, yada, yada, yada. Kind of giving me the runaround. And yeah, that's, DB- yeah. A water down do. version of saying no. Is yeah, kind of exactly, like, exactly, yeah. exactly. And then uh, DBU comes the next day. And DBU came, and it was funny. We had practice. I played amazingly. I dunked everything. I made every shot. I shot, it felt like. Um, and then – our, the power goes out in our school. So me and Coach Flick and Glenn just kind of walked around and talked. And and they immediately just were like, listen, like, you're our guy. Like, we love you. Um, you know, you're our, you're the guy that we want. So coming to give you a little bit of context, that's why I chose DBU. That past summer, I played for this AU team. And it was – I love my teammates for that team, but the coaching staff or some people on the coaching staff more accurately just weren't the biggest fans of me. Mm. And it was, one of, it was one of those things where, like, when I played well – I played a ton and right. and they loved me. Um, but when I played poorly, they just they just didn't really mess with me very much. So going into that, I wanted to go to a situation where I was going to be celebrated, not tolerated. Um, that was kind of the phrase that I that I, I came like up that. with. I like that. And and whenever I, Cornell was talking to me, it was it felt like that summer program. It felt like that summer team where it was like I'm playing well, they'll love me, but on my bad days, they're not going to want to touch me because that's what it was for for me that summer. Because um, 
earlier in that summer, I prayed and I was like, God, because I was going to leave that team. And I was like, God, uh, if you want me to stay here, if you want me to stay here, please give me a sign. And I woke up the next day and I felt like he was trying to uh, communicate with me and say, just stick to the stick this through. There's a lesson that I need you to learn. Uh, so at the conclusion of that summer, that was the, the phrase that I came up with that I was going to take into choosing where I was going to go to school. Um, and that's what I felt from DBU. Like immediately, the first interactions, they just, they were recruiting me hard and they, I felt the love and the sincerity from, from the jump with them. So um, that's why I chose DBU. Yeah. Well, I mean, Flick, I mean, he's got a, just such an outgoing and like loving personality. We actually yeah. had some, uh, some outreach the other day and some yeah. of the basketball team came and Flick, cool. um, he was giving more of like a, a counselor like to look over everything but yeah. he actually went and like pulled like 10 kids aside and made them sit in a circle <laughs> and just just poured into them for like 30 cool. minutes like they weren't even expecting that and so awesome. i mean he yeah he's a good recruiter now, he's a good recruiter Flick, um, an outstanding guy big, dude big he's fan a great guy i i had his wife in class too and she's awesome too so that's awesome outstanding family okay so you're talking about aau you're talking yeah. about houston basketball we've had this conversation before but I want to give it to the audience. So who was the hardest guy you ever had in high school? And, and for the record, when you answer this to, to the audience, it's going to be someone, whoever he says will probably be in the NBA. So yeah, just so everybody knows, definitely. sit tight. Mm, so who's, okay. who's the hardest guy you ever played against? Um, it's funny. I barely remember high school. I feel like high school is such a blur. But I do remember one guy in particular. So my sophomore year, my first year on varsity, this might be our third game of the year. Um, we played Cypress Lakes. And De'Aaron Fox went there. So this this was his junior year, um, and we played them. And I came I, I came off the bench. I was a six man. I came off the bench, and I had to guard him because I was I was one of our quote unquote better defenders. I couldn't defend at all, but I was athletic, and I had to guard him. And at, at this time, my high school coach we were picking up full court, so I picked him up full court, oh, and it was so funny. This dude crossed me over so bad and just sped down the sideline. I think I got subbed out right away, like right afterwards. But uh, <laughs> De'Aaron Fox was definitely the best guy I've ever played. Dude, well, he – I don't know if he holds the record, but I remember his combine going to the draft. His uh, 20 – or his three-line, something yeah, he did three, was like – Three, four score. Yeah, something yeah. that he did was like the most impressive they've ever seen. I remember the, I remember talking about that. Dear Sacramento Kings, whoever's listening. Yeah. So, Taylor yeah. Jacobs as a sophomore had to guard him. Um, that is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that really is the worst when you get like – subbed in and then instantly subbed out just instantly so subbed out it was so noticeable i was like oh, I was so embarrassed. <laughs> my family Dang. was there my mom my mom uh i lived with my dad at the time and my mom lived in like cypress the katie area which is a little ways away this was this was their first i think this was the first game on varsity that they came to so i remember like they Perfect. were there and I, I was just so embarrassed it was bad well it's, i mean it's not your fault that that guy was gonna play in the league you know yeah, and making a name for himself in the league right now so that's yeah. Dang. Okay. Yeah. I figured you were, I thought you were going to say either Carson Edwards or De'Aaron Fox. So. Oh, I forgot I played Carson Edwards. He was, oh my goodness. I, side note, I love his game. He's played that exact way since high school. We played them, we played them, we played them only two or three times in high school. And I, when I, I, whenever I played Fox, I didn't really watch Fox. I never really liked his game, but Carson Edwards, I was like a fan of his game. So I would just like watch him while I was guarding him, if that makes sense. Like I was watching him. No, you, you learn that. you learn from that you know what i mean like you like yeah. iron sharp is iron yeah definitely no, i love i love his game i still do dude he's yeah awesome. he's fun to watch he's he's yeah. the celtics the celtics team can make a run this year so that yeah 
We watched him for a while. Probably watched him to about July, if we're being yeah. honest. Like, yeah. Yeah. Dang. Okay. Um. So now it's flash forward. Okay. We mentioned it a little bit. It's your senior year at DBU. Yeah. Um, you have started pretty much every game. Mm-hmm. You are the all-time leading scorer. Yeah. You've got a big decision to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're getting calls all across the country. The two that stand out are Colorado State and Texas Tech, which, yeah. you know, what a terrible spot to be in, you know, for Taylor yeah. Jacobs. Um, <laughs> so how did you navigate that? And then more importantly, do you think your decision would have been harder to navigate had it not been approached through the lens of faith? Uh, yes, the decision definitely would have been hard. Um, definitely more difficult for sure. It was a hard decision even with faith being in the in the, uh, the equation. But right. um, so with that situation, it's funny. I feel like every decision I've made in my life that has been a good one has been a decision that I've made based upon the people that I'm going to be doing life with. So right. let, let me take you back to high school. Whenever I decided to go um, to DBU over Cornell, Cornell obviously was probably a bigger platform, Division One, Ivy League. You know, on paper, it seems like a better opportunity. But I chose DBU because I knew the coaches believed in me and I knew I was going to be around good people. And obviously, you know, the career I had at DBU, I think I made the right choice, whatever. So coming into this to this decision, I was like, I was trying my best to make a decision that felt, excuse me, that felt true to me. And I think whatever that means, for, that, that answer is different for everybody. For, for, but for me, that means a situation where I'm going to be around good people. So when I right. chose Texas Tech initially, I didn't choose them for the right reasons. I chose them because they're Big 12, because, you know, the platform, the stage they were on, all of the glitz and the glamour. It was good people there, but I wouldn't say they necessarily fit my personality extremely well. Um, and I chose Texas Tech for those reasons. I chose them for all the things that were not me. And I, I remember, like, I vividly remember this. The day after I committed, I committed on a Sunday. So that Monday morning at 5 o'clock in the morning, I woke up in, like, just a bed full of sweat. And I woke up. And I thought that I was in a bad dream. I literally thought that I committed Texas Tech and I was, I thought that I dreamt that. I didn't know that was a really reality and not in a positive way. I was like, what have I done? You know? So yeah. I immediately, um, I, for a week, I didn't leave my room. Like I, I was still staying at DPU at the time. And, you know, committing to Texas Tech, being from Texas, going to DPU was a big deal. So everybody that I talked to at DPU had the same questions like, commit, congratulations, the same thing, you know? Yeah. So for about, for about a week, um, I didn't leave my room. Like I didn't, I, I didn't do anything. I just, and this is COVID times too. So I was ordering food from like wherever and I was picking Ugh. it up and I was going yeah. right back home. I wasn't working now. I wasn't going to the gym because I was, I was depressed because it was, I knew I didn't make the right decision. I knew I didn't make the decision that was, that was for me. So then, um, you know, I found out that I could get out of my scholarship agreement and I got out of it. I tried to break up with Texas Tech three different times and they were not going for it. The first time they, interesting. Said, yeah. First time they said, come on a visit. I was like, I'm Okay. Second time, um, they said, you just, you're just you unsure because you haven't came to see us yet. All you got to do is come on a visit. And then third time, I was like, listen, I'm leaving. I'm not going there. I want to go somewhere else. And they finally let me out of my agreement. Um, and it's funny, you know, on Twitter, everybody always, you know, I was reading comments on Twitter. People were saying he's going, he, he, he decommitted because he's not going to play at Texas Tech. I'm very confident I would have played at Texas Tech because I'm a competitor, one. But yeah. also, it's funny because all the people saying that have no concept of who I am as a person. Well, it's keyboard coaches. It's keyboard coaches. Exactly. Yeah, my decision to not go to Texas Tech was was purely because of it wasn't the right fit for me as a person. And that's why I decommitted from there. But um, so fast forward, after I I decommitted from Texas Tech, I put an Instagram post out on on social media. 
um, kind of detailing everything that I've been going through that I've been feeling. And the assistant coach here at, D- at CSU, he texted me, not even on, on like recruiting me. He was like, you seem like you're not doing too great. Let me know if you never need anything. I hear, I'm here for you. I care about you. And that was all I needed from that point on because yeah. that's what I felt from DBU when I first went there. So once I got that vibe from them, from Coach Ali, I was like, yeah, this is where I want to be. These are people that are going to care about me, that are going to love me on my good and bad days. So I was I was all in at CSU from that point. Yeah. Well, I, cause I can remember, um, obviously, like, you know, word broke around campus pretty quick. You were going yeah. to Texas Tech. Yeah. No one was surprised, right? Yeah. We knew you yeah. had it. We'd seen yeah. you play for three years. I'd seen you play for three years. It's like, yeah. there's no way that, you know, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, and I can remember talking to Reese and saying, hey, you know, I think Chandler, like, delete all his Instagram posts, like, you know, we're praying for you. And then I remember when when CSU drops, like, I just felt, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm proud of this guy because I didn't know the context. Right. But I understand like that process of decommitting is so difficult, especially for a player like you who, I mean, lives the game, right. You've lived it out your whole life. You've worked so hard to get here. So, uh, I mean, just shout out to you, man, for making that tough decision. And, you know, it, it paid off because, you know, you get to CSU that summer. Um, and we actually – I don't know if it's just me, but I followed every CSU Instagram account. <laughs> I mean, That's cool. I was like CSU men's basketball, CSU athletics, CSU <laughs> student life. Like, I was like, I just want to see – I just want to see Chandler. Like, I just want to see That's what he's awesome, doing, man. you know? I um, No, and, and we saw, you know, clips and videos and highlights of, like, weight room sessions or mm-hmm. practices. And yeah. they love – your dunks. I think yeah. they posted you dunking more than anyone else on the team, like yeah. doing anything. Um, <laughs> so, so you're in a different state. You're yeah. in a different school. You're probably the furthest away from home you've ever been at that point. Um, what was it like, like that preseason leading into the season, a new school, new semester? Man, it was difficult. It was difficult because of a, a few things, you know, trying to, the way I, I phrase it is trying to be myself in a new place. And that was that was difficult because, you know, at DBU, it's a smaller school, smaller community. So like it's easy to be yourself in that in that place, especially when you're an athlete, because people love you because of that just in general, you know. And right. me being the person I am, it was easy to get the love from people at DBU because I was a genuine individual, you know. But coming here, it was like, all right, I'm going to a new place. This place doesn't have five thousand kids. They have thirty five thousand kids. Jeez, like it's yeah. it's a vastly different experience and environment. So I was I was very nervous about being myself, you know, and, and, and trying to uh, do that. So when I first got here, I didn't, I didn't talk much to my teammates. I didn't really hang out much. I was just very much like secluded to myself, mm-hmm. um, always in my room, yada, yada, yada. And then um, from just that's just us off the court. And then on the court, it was difficult because I was coming from a place where, you know, I'm the guy, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. 21 points a game, all time being score, all that kind of stuff. And now I'm going to a place where like, I'm having to fit into a role to help the team win. Right. Um, and, I, and I'm more of a role player. I'm more of a six man. So it was it was difficult because I never really knew where I stood with the coaches. You know, I was always kind of like, do they like not do they like me? But like, am I going to play a lot? I was always very curious about that. I, didn't, I never really knew um, until the season started. So for me, it was difficult because I was trying to assimilate. I was trying to adjust to a new role, a new place, new people, a new environment. You know, obviously, DBU is a Christian school. And CSU is not. It's a it's a it's a state school where you know a lot of things go on, go different things go on and everything. Right, so it was right. It was just it was an adjustment. You know, it was hard. The first two 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 months or so was pretty difficult. Two three months, but then once we went back home 
for a break for like a little break before school year started in August. And I got back here. I told myself, you know what, I'm gonna just be myself. And I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna be outgoing. I'm gonna be kind. I'm gonna be loving. I'm gonna be all the things that I was at DBU here. And, you know, I did that. And because of that, I got I, I accumulated a nice little fan base. They love me out here because I'm myself. You know, I'm not yeah, trying to be exactly. I'm not trying to I'm exactly. not trying to be anybody else, you know, and I think that people really respect that. So um it was tough, but it, it was so worthwhile. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned it, um, but I'll just I'll just ask again. So you had a very well put together team this year. You know, you had yeah. guys like Isaiah Stevens, David Roddy, Deshaun Thomas, among yeah. several other guys, right? Mm-hmm. A very well put together team. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned it, you know, starting every game, mm-hmm. um, all time leading scorer, to now you're the sixth man um uh, off the bench. Yeah. Um, which I will point out, your minutes do not say sixth man. No, I'm not just going to say it. Like, I've yeah. watched games throughout the season, and I went back and looked at some, you know, stats from uh, March Madness, and, like, yeah. your minutes are not sixth man minutes. It's not starter minutes. Like, it just is. Um, yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, obviously everyone has a game plan. But yeah. how did you come in and adapt and really thrive yeah. when the season started? Man, it was so cool because it was, you know, for me – I was I was a six man my first my freshman year at DB I was a six man I started eight games, but I okay. averaged fifteen points a game. Like I was a leading scorer, but I but I came off the bench for at DB my freshman year. So, light flex, light flex. Yeah, not light flex. So I was um, I was already kind of used to being a six man in, in some capacity. So it wasn't foreign to me. I was also the six man on my state championship team my junior year at at Elkins High School. So like I've been in that role before, and it wasn't one that I was that I was afraid of. You know, coming into my my conversations with the coaches here, I was like, "You could put, you could play me wherever. I just want, I just want a role that I know is defined in a role that that I know I can make a significant impact with." So that was all I really wanted with this recruiting process. Whenever I was going to a new school, um, so whether that was six man, whether that was starter, whether that was whatever, you know, I just wanted a role that I that I can make a significant impact on the team. So with me becoming a six man, and everybody, I'm not sure if everybody knows this, but People that are close to me know I get very nervous before games, especially before, really? like, yeah, super okay. nervous, very, very nervous in front of crowds, everything. Um, so, like, me coming off the bench, honestly, was a blessing in disguise because here, because, you know, the crowds were like 8,000, 9,000 people. That's crazy. It's yeah. a lot of people. So, so with that being said, you come out for warm-ups, you come out in the game, and, like, you just see this vast array of people, you know. And so, for me, it was, like, coming off the bench and being able to kind of, like, see where people are messing up at, see where I can or see where I can be of use and kind of getting that kind of context before I actually sub into the game was perfect for me. So I completely embraced my role. I loved it, to be perfectly honest with you. Like I love being coming off the bench here. Um and also, you know, part of the reason why I loved it is because Coach Medved, like they don't they don't do like, okay, last four minutes of the game, starters are in. Like if you're playing well, they will continue to play you. So that's why You play the hot hand. Yeah. Exactly. So that's why my minutes we're not six man minutes because like even if I came off the bench, there would be games where like I would come off the bench in the first half, I'll probably play seven minutes, and then I would come off the bench the second half and I'll play the last sixteen. Like it was it would like it, it was like three or four games. And I remember like out of the first ten games of the season, I probably finished seven of them. So it was like I didn't care about coming off the bench because I knew it that it that had no indication of how much I would actually play overall. Yeah. Well, one of those games that you uh, finished, you actually finished on a, a buzzer beater with Utah yes. State. So, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, the human highlight reel is thing. That's kind of what we got going on here. But 
No, I mean, so nonetheless, you, you guys have a phenomenal season. You know, you yeah. got 25 and 6 on the year. Only losing yeah. one home game, which is very yes. impressive. Very um, you know, stat conference with Boise State, San Diego State, Wyoming. Yeah. Um, so, Chandler, I remember seeing an interview with you at the beginning mm-hmm. of last year saying, you know, one of the reasons that I want to go uh, Colorado State is the chance to play in March Madness. So, yes. you guys are 25 and 6. Then you punch the tickets to dance as a six seed. Um, yeah. What was it like for you to see your name called on Selection Sunday after this, this huge journey? Like, what yeah. was that moment like for you? Man, it was surreal. I mean, everything, you know, everything that, that this – the way that this last season has went for me has been everything I've needed and wanted and more, you know. So, for it to culminate in a, an NCAA tournament berth and for me to be able to be in March Madness and, like, it's funny, you know, in, a, in that game, we were the first game of the tournament in general. So many people are watching our game, and it's funny because you go, you, you realize that March Madness is a thing, but then you don't realize it until you're there. So, you know, I'm on the court. I'm playing. I'm playing well. Um, you know, I'm walking across the court. I see the March Madness logos everywhere. I see random just college basketball fans, like not even fans of us or Michigan, people that just love college basketball. They just watch yeah. March Madness in general. And, like, you see, you see why it's so popular. You see why it's such a polarizing um, thing to be a part of, you know, and – you see, like, the little instead of late patching the jersey. It's just – it was on, honestly just, like, the coolest experience ever, man. And I feel like the way that this year has ended, um, so many things have been checked off my bucket list, you know. So, yeah. it was it was amazing, bro. Dude, that, I, I was so happy for you, man. Like, we we were in the training room. Like, there's, like, 25 <laughs> people in the training room watching your yeah. game. Like, <laughs> and you know how they are in there. Like, oh, that's cool. They want you in and out because we'll drive yeah. out and you out. But um, they went to in and out. No, we were just in there, stamped <laughs> out. It's like, whoa, like, Taylor's on TV. It's like, yeah, he's on TV. Like, come on. But, um, oh, that's awesome. dude, that's so awesome. Well, so I'm just going to – let's flash forward here um, because I want you to explain uh, your week last week Oof. because the announcers kind of said it yeah. um, at the Caller Slam Dunk Contest, that, what you yeah. were a part of. So yeah. what what happened? How did you end up there? Okay. So uh, this is like last Wednesday at like six, at six p.m. So the dunk contest is is on Thursday at seven p.m. This is the day before six p.m. So my assistant coach calls me. I'm at the rec playing like with his normal students. I'm at the rec like running games with them, right? Okay. So he calls me after one of my games in. I leave. I call him back. I'm walking out the rec. I'm calling him. He's like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "I'm just leaving the rec." And he was like, um, "Do you want to do the dunk contest?" And I was like, "Huh?" And he was like, the college dunk contest is tomorrow night, but you got to leave tonight. I was like, no, I don't want to do it. <laughs> he was like, it's like very interesting. Yeah. It's like, well, actually I have a life here. Um, no, literally. I was like, I was like, I'm not leaving tonight one. And then two, I've never done, I've never, I'm athletic, but I've never done a dunk, dunk contest in my life. Which surprises so, me. That really surprises yeah. me. I'll say that. No, nah, it surprises me too, but I've never like, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a trick dunker. I, I, I'm athletic and I just dunk it hard. I just jump high. So anyways. I um so he I called him back like 30 minutes later and I was like you know what I called my dad and my dad was like you need to do it so I was like uh, I called him back and I was like hey do y'all still need somebody I'll do it because somebody had dropped out because had they had a family emergency so they needed somebody to replace him so that's why they called me because my assistant coach um you know he knew the guy who 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 ran the event and was like I need somebody last minute so then I called him back I was like yeah I'll do it they're like all right well we're gonna send you the flight information so they send it to me. And I have a red eye at 12.30 a.m. So, like, Thursday morning at 12.30, 
I have a flight that takes me from um, Denver to Atlanta. So I land in Atlanta. Um, I land in Atlanta, and then I have a connecting flight that takes me from Atlanta to New Orleans at 6 a.m. That's so then, crazy. So then I get to New Orleans at 10. I get to my, my hotel around 11. Then we have practice. We have shoot-around. We have media. Because at this point, I'm, I'm a new addition, so I have to catch up with everybody else. So I'm doing all these things to kind of catch up with everybody else has already been doing for the past week. So then I, I do all that. I go back to my hotel room. I shower. I get ready to go to the game. I mean, to go to the dunk contest, and I go. And then dunk contest ends. I do well. It was a fun opportunity. I was on national. T- I was on live TV. I had friends from high school that didn't even know I was in it. They were. They just happened to be at Chili's watching ESPN, and they just see me pop on the screen. That is and hilarious. It was like, nah, it was cool. It was awesome, man. My sisters. They went to a local bar, and they told everybody to turn the TV to ESPN. So every every bar, every TV in the bar was on ESPN, and the whole bar is like is like cheering for me because they know my sisters, and they know my sisters are there watching watching it for me. Um, it was just a surreal experience, man, to have, to have that with my family and just my friends and everybody that, that supports and loves me. Um, so long story short, dunk contest ends. I get back to my hotel, hotel room at like 1130 at night, and then I fly out the next morning at 7. So then <laughs> I go back to the airport the next morning, and I fly back here to Colorado. So I didn't sleep for 30 hours. I slept a total of eight hours from, from Wednesday to Saturday. That is just, just, absolutely yeah, unreal. It was unreal, man. It was it was a whirlwind, bro. But it was cool, and I honestly, I think I should have got a better score. Like, oh, I, I, I did I, my let dunk. Me, let me yeah, let me chime in yeah. here. So go ahead. There was eight people in the field. Okay, yeah. two of them. You were one of two. Actually, yeah. made the first attempt dunk. Exactly. And they were saying the whole time, like you know, the score is going to be impacted by this, by that. Well, you went out and did it, and Literally, did I... it effortlessly. <laughs> Literally. And from like seven feet away, so <laughs> not only like that, it was like, like it was a two-handed windmill. Like that's not easy. <laughs> no, and it's from the middle of the key. Like yeah. it wasn't like you were like right up on the block. Like you were like you were like probably closer to the free throw line than you were to yeah. the rim. That and was it was just absurd. easy. And the announcer's easy. like, you know, he's probably got so much more left. That like effortless. I'm like okay, well then pass him through. But, exactly. I don't know. I was, Maybe we can just. Yeah. Bring, get mad at Alvin Kamara for that one. Um, did you <laughs> yeah. did you talk to him? Was that weird? Like seeing him nah, there? I'm not. I'm not a. It's so funny. I'm not a big like. I don't get starstruck very often. Like there's very few people because I'm one of those guys. I don't really like. I don't really like. I'm not fond of celebrities, but I'm okay. fond of good people. So like yeah. for instance, like I love Kyrie Irving. I love J Cole. I love Damian Lillard. So if I saw those guys, I definitely would be starstruck because I like them as people. Yes. And that and that's what matters to me. So I don't care what you can do with a football or basketball or whatever mechanism it is. I care about who you are as a person. So when, when I saw Alvin Kamara and Jamar Chase, I was like, you just know a person to me. Because like I don't know them. I don't know them as people. And it's not like it's not like I don't I don't think they're bad people, but I don't know them as people. I'm not I'm not overly fond of them as individuals. So it was like I didn't really care to be honest with you. But everybody else is like trying to take pictures and trying to do the gritty in front of them and all that kind of stuff. I didn't I didn't care. And you're like, I'm just trying to take a nap, man. Like, man, I've been going for 30 was, hours. I'm just trying to sleep. No, I was exhausted, man. I was going on straight adre- straight adrenaline. Dang. Well, dude, I, I remember watching. I was like, man, that's that's the man. That's the man. Yeah, um, that was cool. Okay, well, I have another icebreaker for you. Okay. Um, and this is going to kind of transition. Um, I got one question at the end that okay. I, uh, I talked to you about. Yeah. And we'll get to that. But before we get to that, so you are a man of style. You're a man of fashion. Yes. It's Most not definitely. hard to tell. You talk about <laughs> your interviews. 
you know, uh, Grandpa <laughs> Chan, all that. Yeah. So you are gifted the opportunity, Chandler, to walk a red carpet. Mm-hmm. Are you going to the Oscars, the Met, or the Grammys? And can you depict what your dream fit would be? Yes. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to the Met. Okay. I figured you were going to say Met. Yeah. I think, I'm going, I think I'm going to the Met just because that one is like a fashion show almost kind of feel. And if I'm going to pick a fit, so lately, or not even just lately, just in general, as as I've kind of matured and grown in my fashion sense and my own confidence and my own fashion fashionability or whatever, I've garnered a, a huge love and fandom of the 60s and 70s. I just love the style. I love, you know, boots and, and slacks and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I just I just love the way men dress back there with loafers, um, boots. It's a vibe. It's, it's a vibe. It's, a vibe. It's, it's, not, it's class. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's class, it's, man. It's something behind it. Yeah. And I and I just feel like and I feel like whenever you dress like that, like the confidence that you have within yourself is on ten. Like, I, and don't get me wrong, I I enjoy streetwear. I enjoy the kind of trendy fashion that's kind of out now with dunks and and cargos and all that kind of stuff. But I just absolutely love just classic, just like I, I call it grandpa style because that's that's how our grandfathers would dress. But I just love that. Um, so that's how I dress every day, like every day. Um, so. If I had to pick an outfit, I think I would go with it. Definitely would be some nice, some nice fitting slacks. I like the slacks that are kind of slim on the thigh and then flare at the bottom. Okay, I, I agree with that. That's a vibe. That's what I like. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of that. That's what I like. So I would go with, I would go with something like that, um, and I'll go with some nice black boots, some nice black slacks. I'll probably go with a pop of no, no, no. Take it back. We're gonna go brown. I like brown. So okay. some brown, brown flared pants with some nice um, black boots. I'll go with a cream kind of button up and then I would go with a brown oh export like a brown jacket, a brown coat. Um yeah, that's what I would do. And yeah. then I would obviously accessorize and I just I just think that fit would be phenomenal. I can I can I can see it. Um yeah. dude, we didn't make this happen. Like, you know, if oh, listen, sure. if we if we get big enough, we'll go to the Met. And you're our first athlete to come on the show. So we, we owe you a That's service awesome. to get you to the Met. So we'll, we'll keep trying to make that happen if, if we can, because I need to see that in fruition. No, um, awesome. But you mentioned you're a thrift store guy. Um, yes. I also am. I know we talked mm-hmm. before we started recording that we kind of had the same spot over mm-hmm. on Westmoreland. Yes. Um, so what percentage of your closet would you say is thrifted? And what is your biggest score you ever thrifted? Ooh, that's a good one. Biggest score. Okay. Um, the biggest score is going to change because, like, I thrift all the time. So I always find, like, a new piece. So, like, okay. I found this, like, brown, like, Western kind of jacket that fits me, like, kind of – it's perfect. I found that a few months ago, and I wore it every day for, like, two weeks. And you then got I to, found, man. You got to. Literally. And then I found me a nice, um, like, kind of cream cardigan that I wore, like, all the time um, a few months later. And then most recently, I found this, like – orange kind of like sweater so like my biggest pickup always changes um it always gets better you know hey, but i like that i like that from my closet if i'm if i am being 1000 percent honest i'm looking at my i'm looking at my clothes right now i would say 95 percent is thrifted dude I'm, yeah 95 percent. well it just tells so much of a story right like when yeah. you can go and find something used and find a story behind it and mm-hmm. like just like when you go to these thrift stores, I, I, I agree with you. Like the um the polo and like that dress section yeah. always gets untouched. Because everybody's always. looking for rap tees. 
Exactly. Like everyone's looking to score some nineties tee that exactly. you, I promise is not over there. Like I promise it's not over there. <laughs> Literally, um, that's what everybody looks for. Somewhere on a wall, five hundred bucks, right? Yeah. So I myself am a polo guy. I also yeah. go find the polos. And I can remember um I found a Coogee sweater one time. That's fine. And I was like, What? Like no how does no one know this is over here? And it's because the dress stuff is the best stuff. I agree yeah, with you. I agree. Like, it, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Chandler, this has been a amazing interview. Um, this will be out on Friday, 11 a.m. Um, I appreciate you as always. My mm-hmm. final question appreciate for you, you today is going to be, um, what is the next step for Chandler Jacobs? And, you know, you mentioned how Tech and CSU worked. You mentioned how Cornell and DBU worked. So things yeah. are always a change. And in reality, only one man truly knows. We both know yeah. that. That's been yeah. faith. Um, but right now, what's what's the next step, Chandler? So um, I, I've been having some Zoom calls. I think I've had three, three this past week. But um, next step for me is signing an agent, signing with the agency, and then um, and then going to play professionally overseas. So I'm in the process of making a decision right now. I have a few more Zoom calls to get through this week. The next week I'll sit down with my family and we'll make and we'll we'll choose one, sign on the dotted line, and then allow them to work for me and find me a place to play. Start my Dude, professional career. I. I love it, man. I, me personally, like, I see you in the league someday. Like, and yeah. I think that just because you're a talented guy, yeah, you're driven. Um, I think you're willing to work harder than others. That's just my yeah. opinion. That's what I've yeah, seen. Definitely. Um, definitely. obviously, like those summers in the ATC, you're in there every single yeah. day, right? Yeah. Like, I, I've seen yeah. that. Um, you should know though that we do have a rule on this podcast. Um, we do have to take 0.5 percent of <laughs> any signed contracts. Um. <laughs> Or a shopping spree, either one. <laughs> but that works for me, man. You just should know that. I know that I I forgot to let you know that before we started. That's on me. I'll take that one. <laughs> That's on me. I'll take that. Um, but dude, that we're we're so excited for you, man. You know, we're praying for you every day, and you know, we're obviously not afraid to share our faith in this podcast yeah, because we know what's up. Um, yeah. But I dude, appreciate I appreciate you, man, coming on. We're gonna be praying for you as always. And Chandler, it was so great talking to you, man. Uh, we'll we'll talk soon. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate y'all. I appreciate you. Thank you, man. All right, man. Have a good day. All right, you too. All right, bye.